Good morning, everybody. Again, it's uh, obviously always a privilege to come up here and uh, just share the word. Um, it's hard, actually, for me just to believe that um, I actually had the privilege, uh, March of 2020, I was the very first person that got to preach in front of the camera. And so believe it or not, this is the first time in over a year that I haven't been uh, preaching to a camera. And so uh, it's great just to see everyone's lovely and beautiful faces versus just me kind of in a room looking at a, at a camera. And so, um, yeah, it's again a privilege and honor. Let's, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you, uh, Lord God, for this morning. And Father, I thank you for an opportunity just to come and to share uh, your word. And, and Father, I know it's by your grace and your mercy that I'm up here, and I thank you for that, Lord God. And I just pray that uh, your words would ring true, that it would be, um, yeah, your word that we remember this morning and nothing else. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Mama used to drag me to church Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. Khaki pants and a polo shirt. Boy, I put up a fight. Katie sung it, but I'm, I'm losing my nerve. I was going to sing it too, but Katie sung the other day. I was like, oh, I could do that. She said, son, one day you'll thank me for having God in your life. And yeah, I know she was right. My mama was right. The, this song, uh, Talking to Jesus, is, I've been listening to it a lot. Maybe some of you have heard it. And it's, what I love about it is this is conversation about um, just this journey that, that uh, this, this, the writers obviously have been on. And, and I, I just related to this song so, so much over the last couple of weeks that it, it just came out recently. And so if you came to the Johnson house, every night you would sit down for a meal. And I was blessed to, to have my parents pretty much home every single night. And what you would get is you would get the Today Daily Devotional. And all the CRC people that are watching are like, oh, I totally know what you're talking about because that was just this staple that was a part of our home every single night. No matter how much I pestered my siblings or how much I refused to eat my peas, I still hate peas. My kids eat them and I don't know why. So I always look the other way. But we would read a little bit of God's word every night. And of course, at the time, I didn't realize the importance There were so many other foundational things that my parents instilled in us. You can see, for some reason, this song just really touched me and made me think about parents. And I loved how fitting it was that it's Mother's Day today. My parents sent all of us through Christian school, even though at many times we complained that the grass was greener somewhere else. Thursday nights was catechism. If you don't know what that is, is you sat and you learned some good old theology on Thursday nights as a teenager, right? I'm sure I never complained about that. Eventually, I took drum lessons, and after decades of only piano and organ, I became the very first drummer in our church. So my little grade seven rocker heart obviously was pumping pretty good. My parents helped me cart my drum set back and forth, constantly drive me to morning practices. I can even remember Christmas morning. Christmas morning, I would be in the band and we would stop the celebrations of opening gifts and we would go to church because I was in the Christmas band. 
as you can see, I'm trying to lay this foundation. Was it convenient? Absolutely not. There's no way. Often it, it came and it felt like an inconvenience to me at the time. But again, like I said, I believe there was something instilled as us as, us as a family. And again, I'm not trying to paint this picture. And mom and dad, if you're watching, I understand we're, we weren't a perfect family. And, and I don't want to say that. But there were so many good things that they instilled in us. And so this morning, I believe that the story of the Israelites rebuilding the wall in the book of Nehemiah, we're going to see this long-term benefit of pushing into community. Of pushing into community. That this place in God's community is so important. And so if you've heard sermons from me, I, I always have to give this background context to you. And so if we go back in Israel's history, we see, right, Israel and Judah, they're captured and they're sent off to Babylon. Eventually, Babylon is defeated by the, the Medes and the Persians. And so uh, Nehemiah, what happens is Nehemiah kind of works his way up the ranks and he becomes a cupbearer. And for you, basically, what, what again, in history, if, if you're like, hey, well, what does this cupbearer mean is, is on this account of fearful plots, such as poisoning, a person would have to have somebody they trusted to taste the wine before they would give it to them. And so Nehemiah, you understand, is this trusted person that is going to give this, the drink to the king. And so he obviously held this, this trust of the king. And so Nehemiah hears about the, the remnants that are left in Jerusalem and what happens is he's, he's visually sad. And the king takes notice and kind of is like, hey, what's going on? What, what's, what's the matter? And, and Nehemiah just, just kind of says, okay, like, I, just pleads his heart in front of the king. And what's amazing is the king then allows Nehemiah to return to Jerusalem. And so if you've, you've got your Bibles uh, with, I think it'll, it'll come up on the screen here. And, and this is one of those things, you know, when you choose scripture and you see all of the names that you're going to have to say, you're just going to, I'm just going to go boldly uh, and say them because there's some amazing names that, that you will see. And, and I'm, I'm just going to do a little section of chapter three. So Nehemiah three, one to four to start. It says this, it says, Elishib, the, the high priest rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. They concentrated it consecrated it and set the doors and consecrated it as far as the tower of the hundred and as far as the tower of Hanel. And next to him, the men of Jericho built. And the next, Zakar, the son of Imri built. The sons of Hassaniah built the fish gate. They laid the beams and set the doors, its bolts and its bars. Verse four. And next to them, Mirmoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Hekars, repaired it. And next to them, Mushlam, the son of Bacchaniah, and the son of Mishbeel repaired it. And next to them, Zadok and Bananiah repaired. And so some of you, just like me, you see this name in these lists and you're like, they're challenging. Like, what, what does this actually mean? But if you read the whole chapter, which I encourage you to do, is the list continues about who was involved in the project. And this is what's amazing about this chapter is if you look at it, there's men and there's women. There's important officers and there's kind of just regular people working together. There's people of different towns. 
There's, there's different classes. There's the wealthy and, and there's the poor working side by side. There's different trades as well. People who are goldsmith and, and perfumers. Basically, every single part of society was represented building the wall together. Every single person was doing it. They, they came to the table and they brought all they could. And I love this because it points towards, again, the New Testament, where you see that, that at, at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. You see? It, it encourages us that, that God lives inside of us and that we can have our part as well. That, that we need all hands on deck, as we've just read. That, that you specifically have hands that can hold specific things that, that we need from you. Just as we read. And I love how Rick Warren puts it here in, in The Purpose Driven Life. He says, he says, community is built not on convenience. We'll, we'll get together when we feel like it. But on the conviction that I need it for spiritual health. If we want to cultivate real fellowship, it, it means meeting together even when you don't feel like it because it's important. And, and he continued, and I'm, I'm kind of summarizing some of his points, but it says, he says in God's kingdom, guess what? You and I, we have a place. You have a purpose and you have a role. You have a function to fulfill. And what, what I love about that is, is that gives you and I, our lives have significance, don't they? And if we think of Jesus, Jesus thought it was so significant that he went to the cross for you and I's salvation. That's how important you and I are. <laughs> I'd say that's pretty important that, that Jesus would go to the cross and die for us, isn't it? Do you know that, that you were put here to make a contribution? Not just take up space and, and breathe the air. Romans 12.5 in the message says, each of us finds our meaning and function as part of the body. Obviously, he's referring to, to many of what, what Paul talked about, the significance of the parts of the body and how they work together. And I encourage you to read that as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But each of us finds our meaning and function as part of the body. God created you and I to make a difference. We're not just taking up space, like I said. And I, and I love how, how the Israelites, they saw this common goal, right? About building the wall. Nehemiah has this dream, right? But the people, they begin to come together and they caught that dream. Nehemiah as a leader, he, he saw the problem, but he understood the potential of what that wall could do for the city. We see obviously later in scripture, like Nehemiah has a plan and he, he beautifully orchestrates it. And, and the people believed in Nehemiah, but obviously they believed in God as well. Nehemiah believes in the future and he shares that belief with the Israelites and people bought in. A reminder again, right? That, that God has put significance over the church. That church is, that the church is plan A, right? 
There is no plan B. And I know we say it often here at Oceanside, even for me, it's scary. It's like, God, you're relying on me. Like there's got to be a better way, but, but he doesn't, right? He's like, no, I'm going to work with you. And, and you'll see that as we read further in the scripture, how God worked with the Israelites as they built the wall. It's a sobering fact, but God is using us to reach all in the kingdom, right? To draw people into the kingdom. And so as we, as we go uh, into chapter four, like many of our lives, we see opposition come, don't we? And so we see opposition here. And so if you turn to chapter four, verse seven and eight. Verse seven. But when Shambelt and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Amorites and the Ashadites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward, that the breaches were being, beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion. And we prayed to our God and set guard as protection against them at night. And I'm going to skip down to verse 14. So chapter 4, 14 to 23 says this and says, and I looked, he's talking about Nehemiah. I looked and, and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, wives, and your homes. When our enemies heard it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plans, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. And now, now look at this. It says from that day, verse 16, half of my servants worked on construction and half held spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried burdens with load in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And each of them, the builders, had his sword strapped to his side while he built. So we labored at work and half of them held spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. And I also said to the people at the time, let every man and his servant pass the night with Jerusalem that they may be a guard for us by night and may labor by day. Verse 23, so neither nor my brothers nor my servants nor my man or the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes except uh, and each kept his weapon at his right hand. So to me, when I read this, they gave themselves fully they understood the lasting impact that this wall would have on them and their families. That they knew that generations later would benefit from this. And, and I was thinking about myself, and, and maybe you can relate as well, is, is they gave their lives for over to eternal things. To the things that last. And, and they weren't allowing to be distracted by the busyness or, or of temporal things that their eyes were on the future. And I know in my life, I can have a short-term look sometimes, right? That, that sometimes I get exhausted and, and again, I get frustrated as well and, and I can lose the big picture. And I start to, to focus on, on the, the comforts, right? The pleasures of, of the, the easy, right? 
But as, as I read this scripture, I just saw them standing their ground. Right? When, when we get that feeling and we start to feel frustrated when things get tough or, or maybe, maybe it's boredom or, or maybe it's, it's inconvenient. It's hard. And sometimes I know in my life and that we, we, we don't stand long enough to see the benefits. That the beauty of, of pressing in over the long haul and what that can bring. We can, we can miss out. We can miss out on, on what God is trying to do in us. That I'm, I'm sure they, they, as they built a wall, I'm sure there were so many reasons that they could say like, I'm done with this. Like, this is way too difficult. Like, I'm, my life is at, in jeopardy here. Let's just get off the wall and, and go somewhere more comfortable and easy. That, that pressing into community like we've read, it can be inconvenient at times. And, and obviously it requires sacrifice. But it's well worth it. There's always going to be distractions from the wall, isn't there? There's going to be adversity. Like those intimidating enemies as we just read. And... Again, I, I just, I thought it was, was neat just how Megan and I were reminded, and, and I don't even remember, it was, it was a number of years, but Dave Hagar came, um, uh, he's in a church in Australia, and, and he had a word for us, and it, and it said this, it says, he's leading you, he's talking about Megan and I, with his purpose, small steps. Distractions have tried to take you off the wall, like Nehemiah. Forget what is past and look to what is ahead, called to build. And we just, as, as I was reading this, I just was reminded of that word, that, that we need to stay focused on Jesus and his promises, his purpose. And, and I know, I, I, again, I, I somewhat apologize. You know, the, the eldership team, we, we have lots of young kids. And so there's always analogies about young kids. And, and so some of you are like, okay, here's another analogy with young kids. Because that's just what, you know, what many of our lives are like. But for those that have young kids and families, it's not easy getting out the door, is it? To be on time, on, on normal circumstances, right? And obviously church is no exception, Yet, again, I was reminded back to the song that I started with, is that, that Megan and I are trying to, again, lay foundations for our kids to look to the future. That, that, that they will eventually talk to Jesus as well. That they are starting to talk to Jesus. That someday, the, the faith that we are, are bringing them to, that it'll be their own. Because we, we see Jesus building something. We see the relationship with Jesus and we want them to take part of it as well. So let's go to Nehemiah chapter 6. And let's see how this all kind of wraps together. Nehemiah chapter 6, 15 to 16. The title is The Wall is Finished. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elu in 52 days. 
And when all the enemies heard of it, all the nations around us, they were afraid and felt great, um, fell greatly in their own esteem. For they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. And so you see, when, when we commit to the function together, side by side, we get to see God's purpose. And we get to see the fruition in our lives and in the lives of the people around us. That, that he is glorified when believers come into the full standing of the body of Christ. And so, in conclusion, just some points to just end with. You are valuable. That, that you are critical. That, that you are needed and you are wanted as co-laborers in God's purposes. As we just read, there is such beauty in laboring side by side. Even if it's with a different background, with different skills or ideas, that, that God just has a way of gelling us all together. John Ortberg says this about community. He says, community is what you were created for. It is God's desire for your life. It is the one indispensable condition for human flourishing. And again, back to that song, some other lyrics just say, says this about coming into God's family. There's no wrong way to do it. There's no bad time to start. It doesn't have to sound pretty. You just have to tell them what's on your heart. Because it's not a religion. No, because it's more like a friendship. So just talk to your father just as you talk as like a kid. And so... If you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to be a part of that community, we'd love to be a part of that. Whether you're here, we can pray with you, or again, reaching out to us at Oceanside Church, or to those that you know. That it starts with a relationship with Jesus. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's speaking to you that maybe, maybe you need to pick up a brick again and place it in the wall. Possibly, maybe, maybe you've taken your hand off the sword and you need to pick it up again to fight. Maybe it could be for you that the enemy has tried to intimidate you and you need people and you need us to stand around you, to pray with you, to encourage you. Wherever you are, we love you. God loves you. And he wants to be a part of this process. Amen.